Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake. I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Our special guest on today's show is Nick Cavuto. He's a speaker, an entrepreneur mentor and human potential expert who specialises in deep coaching, personal branding and transformational leadership. But before we get a chance to speak with Nick, it's a Leadership Hacking News. It was Stephen R. Covey who most famously quoted in his habit number five, seek first to understand, then be understood. And I'm sure that any leader listening to this would subscribe to that. But what if your team were not humans, but primates? Well, that's exactly what we're exploring in some light-hearted news today, understanding what some leaders did in a research facility in Finland. Monkeys in a zoo in Finland have shown significant preference for traffic sound over their native, natural, jungle noises, researchers have found. A tunnel filled with sensors was installed in a monkey enclosure in Korkizari Zoo in Helsinki. This allowed the white-faced Saki monkeys to choose whether they listened to a playlist of traffic noises, natural and nature sounds, and rainfall, and also had a choice of Zen music and dance music. Dr. Elena Hersky-Douglas, a researcher at Aalto University in Finland, said, We thought they would much more enjoy the calming sound of Zen music, but they were actually triggered by more traffic sounds. The traffic playlist actually came out as most popular choice amongst the monkeys, who were also grooming themselves and getting excited as the sounds of traffic were passing by. Kirsty Pinenen, the zoo research coordinator, said the sounds of the road music mimicked in some ways the natural way they communicate. She said in the wild the animals use high-pitched hissing, squeaking and croaking noise to stay in contact, indicating that they may hear those similar noise sounds in traffic too. The research was an experiment to understand the characteristics of primates as part of the technology that can be used to improve the well-being of animals in captivity. And according to the researchers, this is the first time the sound experiment has been completed in a full controlled environment. And they hope that the findings will lead to understanding how to stimulate and positively influence the environment in enclosures in the future. The long-term plan is that one day they have an ambition that the animals can actually control their own lighting, temperature and sounds in their own environment. And the technology is very much open and they're looking at ways in which they can start to bridge into that area. But first started with understanding what was most important to them. As part of the next step in the research, the team are planning to install screens with tunnels for monkeys to watch and explore their visual environment too. And despite popular belief, they do not eat bananas. Instead, they feed on seeds, nuts and insects and some fruits. And no monkeys were harmed in the experiment. That's been the Leadership Hacker News. If you do have any news, stories or interesting facts that you'd love our listeners to hear, please get in touch with us. Nick Cavuto is our special guest on today's show. He's a high-performance business coach, an entrepreneur mentor who focuses on mindset, personal brand 
and human experiences, as well as leadership transformation. Nick, welcome to the Leadership Hacker podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So delighted we got you on the show. You've got some really interesting stories and great perspectives on the world. But your life didn't start out in the way that you have landed, right? So you started out as a church pastor. Tell us a little bit about the journey from church pastor to entrepreneur, transformation expert. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it was. it's a pretty wild, uh, you know, shift going from essentially being in the nonprofit world and being in a sector of where you're really focused on human potential and transformation and the channel or the angle that's used to do that is through spirituality. And so it's, it's interesting. A lot of people kind of do it the opposite way, right? Of where they, you know, build a great business and do all these great things. And then they get into, you know, philanthropy work or whatever it may be in order for them to really contribute and give back. Uh, but, you know, um, early on in life, uh, my situation was just unique, you know, and um, when I got into my career path, by that time, I had fouled out of college twice. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I said, well, I might as well, you know, show up and serve and help others. And um, I'm so, so grateful that I did that. Uh, you know, I really got into the people business. Um, it's arguable that, uh, you know, as far as my peers, I understand humans more than probably 99% of people because I've been exposed to high levels of whether it's trauma in people's life or you know, the deeper desires that are in their heart, the things they really want to accomplish in life, and also the complexities of relationships and complexities of calling or what do I want to accomplish? What's my purpose? Those conversations for me it happened in my early 20s all the way through my mid to late 20s. And um, just to give you context, I was coaching people on divorce when I was 24 years old with parents who were 30 years happily married. Um, so I was exposed to a lot of learning and a lot of uh, experiences when it came to you know, individuals and the way they see the world and the way that they want to really position themselves for greatness. And uh, I'll just mention that it was a wild ride. And I learned a lot, learned just a tremendous amount about really what makes people tick. And uh, that's just been the greatest contribution. It's an awesome induction into the world of human beings, isn't it? Because you're getting taken into an environment that most people just wouldn't experience at a very young age, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was actually, I was raised in the church. My father was a drug dealer until he was about 30 years old uh, and just had a life-changing experience of where he just made a massive shift in his life and said, you know, I'm going to do things the right way now. And um, that was really the catalytic shift for us. I mean, honestly, at three years old, I remember being, you know, uh, underneath a pew waking up and you know, these are like church revival, you know, things happening. <laughs> At like, you know, midnight. So yeah. it's like one of those things where I, you know, just had these experiences and was just part of really an, an incredible movement, um, which really helped me when I shifted things into the business world. Because then when it came to marketing, I understood how people think, how people feel. Uh, you know, I understood Maslow's. I understood how how the ascension happens from people who are foundationally um, you know, just looking for the basic core needs of life all the way to the point of self-actualization of not really caring about what people think or say about you, but living out your truth in the present. And that was just an amazing, you know, part of the first, you know, three decades of my life that I was able to see. And um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful. And, and the way that translated into business was uh, post, you know, ministry, I ended up working for startups. And then I went from startups into Fortune 500 in corporate America. And from there, just went on to building my own businesses. And, um, you know, my father was an entrepreneur uh, to the truest sense in some ways. 
And uh, my grandfather uh, also owned several businesses and his father was a farmer uh, in the States. So we have over a hundred years of entrepreneurship in our bloodline. And uh, my mother has been an entrepreneur for the last 30 years or so as well. So it's cool that I've just had this legacy of entrepreneurship and also human potential that have consistently showed up in my life over and over and over again. That's an awesome experience. And I guess having that to draw upon gives you almost the unconscious permissions to almost do anything and try anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which, of course, is the key tenet, isn't it, of, of entrepreneurialism? It's that whole ability that nothing's too great and nothing's too big. Yeah, 100%, man. At five years old, I almost drowned in a pool, which allowed me to confront my greatest fear very early on in life. And when that situation happened, you know, it's it's one of those things where when you're fighting for your life at such a young age, and then you go in the opposite direction, you know, and understand the power of fear, you know, none of us really understand our own superpower until we can see it used for good and for evil. Yeah. You know, just just think of Star Wars, right? It's a great example. But like how using the force, right? It can be used in a good way or in a bad way. And that's the same thing, you know, that, that I see showing up in business and for people is like, you know, there's this, there's this polarization of like what's possible for us, but also what can cripple us. And, um, that's been one of the things that I've just always attributed to a lot of the success that I've, I've started to experience has been through being able to confront my greatest fear at such a young age. And by 12, um, I actually just confronted it and got over it. And actually, my grandmother's from Colchester. And um, so, you know, she was a war bride. She married my grandfather during World War II and came back to the States. And she didn't really have a temperament for uh, weak thinking because of all that she had been through. And um, so she was the one who actually helped me overcome my greatest fear, which now is attributed to a massive part of what I believe, again, is uh, just my ability to show up in the world in such a powerful way. Super. Love that story. Thanks for sharing that. Certainly. It hasn't always been glory for you. So you, you were at a stage in your entrepreneurial life where things were going really well. You were you know, you know, were drawing down $150,000 a month, and then stuff went wrong to the point where you couldn't even afford a $30 meal. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how that happened and how you bounced back. Certainly, man. So alignment is the big key here. You know, it's you can go build a business. You know, I built you know, a nearly $2 million business on accident. Okay. And I, I don't mention that a lot, meaning, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, so what'd you do to, to have great success? And I'm like, I'd like to actually talk about my failures. There's a lot more to learn there. <laughs> so, but you know, I was somewhat of an accidental entrepreneur. I, you know, when I left ministry, I didn't have a degree. Um, I had forsaken university in order to really focus on ministry. And so I had to kind of retool the whole map and re-strategize around what I wanted to do and how I wanted to, you know, find significance and, and how I wanted to really show up in the world. And so I built this amazing company uh, really, really fast. And less than 18 months, we quadrupled the company. Uh, I had a few friends who were working for me and, um, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun, but always the question was around growth. What are we going to do to grow to the next stage? Who do we need to hire? What consultants do we need to find? Um, and that was really what our ideal, you know, kind of scenario was, man, you build a company and you're hiring growth consultants right out of the gate because it's just like, you know, when it rains, you know, you accept it, uh, the harvest that comes after. Yeah. And so we planted the seeds and the rain came and it worked. And uh, for me, I fell out of alignment. I fell out of really what I felt like I was supposed to do in life. And that's one way that that life will kind of, uh, I, I say it this way, God will either, he'll, he'll poke you, then he'll push you, then he'll prod you, then he'll punch you. Um, and that's kind of what I experienced in life I've, where I got punched because I was not where I was supposed to be. And I did know that deep down. I'm like running an agency, a marketing agency for the rest of my life is not going to be the thing. 
So I made a decision, um, you know, to close down that business. But yeah, I mean, when you're running at that high of a run rate and you have a huge team and all these things are happening, it just takes like one small thing, that 1% shift, that one loss of focus to really bring the whole thing down. And that's what happened. It's a fracture in relationship with one of the guys who, uh, who started with me about two to three years after I had gotten going. Uh, I had, I hired a guy, uh, 25 years I'd known him for. He's one of my best friends. And hired him really to um, take over operationally different parts of the business, and there was a fracture in our relationship, unfortunately. Um, and you know, he uh, he wanted to be in a different position than where he played best. It's you know, it's like in in soccer, if uh, you know, or in football, if you're if you're an amazing goalie and you play well with your hands, and you're the slowest guy in the team, you probably should not be at the front of the pack playing striker. Um, and that's kind of the situation. Or in basketball, if you're five foot six, you probably don't play center. You know, so that's kind of what was happening. I'm like, listen, man, you're really good in this position at point guard because of your height, your agility, your quickness. But like going in this position is probably not the best idea for you. You're going to be playing against guys who are seven feet tall and it's just not the same. It's not just the same paradigm. And um, unfortunately, because of that, uh, he actually ended up leaving the company, uh, stealing the client list, uh, undercutting our services, selling against our services at half cost, uh, took the leads list, you know, everything I had spent you know, 100 hours a week developing. And honestly, I'm not even kidding you. I was, you know, married. I was full-time in school. I was full-time working. I was part-time working uh, for the first two and a half years of my business when I was developing it. So when I say that I've put in the work, a lot of people don't do it to that level. Oh, and we had a kid, by the way, in that time frame as well. Um, a lot of people don't put in what's, what's truly required. They'll be like, yeah, I work 80 hours a week and you assess it and it's like 42. Um, I was really putting in the time to build the business in the right way. And unfortunately, because of that fracture, it was actually the greatest blessing. And I, I really, it's, it stinks. I lost the relationship with him. And that's something that, that, uh, you know, that's always been hard because he's just a, such a great friend. But in reality, um, looking back, it was the thing that launched me into my current state. And I'm just so grateful for it. And like you said, you learn more from when things go wrong than sometimes from when they go well. And relationships is now a core foundation of the work you do. And we're going to get onto that in a, in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for those mm -hmm. folks listening, and just give us a maybe a flavor of some of the work that you currently focus on. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So I coach high achieving entrepreneurs. Um, and I really I help them develop an unshakable core. That's the big idea. So there's these skills that are required, there's beliefs, there's accountability, there's mentorship, and there's also specific practices that are required to empower what I believe is a resilient life. And that just boils down to the big idea that I believe that we all have a mandate. We all have a mandate. And what that is, is it's a, it's a purpose with a calling. And it has some level of spiritual significance to it of where you've got to feel like we're here for a reason, that we didn't just evolve from a salamander and just turn into who we are today but that there's actually intent and purpose behind your life. And I just think for myself, and it's in my own humble opinion, that that's the way that things operate. Um, so whether you're an entrepreneur, you're an executive, you're a high level professional expert, the one thing that I know that ties us all together is the desire to have more influence and impact. And yeah, the income stuff, that's important too. But what I've found is through the acceleration of entrepreneurs, of, of helping them get to the highest level of success, when I go into deep coaching, which is like inner work on the inside of them and really start finding things out, 
you know, income is just a feedback loop that says that they're doing a great job. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really not the central focus of what they do, although they might want to grow a great business and have a lot of resources. It's really not the core thing. And that's why I don't include it in the big idea. <laughs> I guess income's a byproduct as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And so when we get into like the personal branding and marketing side of things, that's another pillar as well as high performance functionality. You know, I try to get people out of their head and into their heart, into their gut um, so that they can start making decisions from an intuitive state, which a lot of times I tell people, you know, you already have all the answers that you need. And in fact, you have all the resources around you through your relationships with the people around you. It's just that you don't see it that way. There's an old Asian proverb that says that if you chase two rabbits, you catch none. I love that. And that's the big idea. People are chasing all these different things. I want this. I want that. I want the lifestyle. I want the money. I want the influence. You know, you actually have to switch that entire engagement. If you ever seen a stray cat and you have some food for that stray cat, you want to give it. All you have to do is bend down on your knee and summon the cat. And that's exactly the way that we need to show up in entrepreneurship is we actually need to bring forth the things that need to be present in our lives versus feeling like we're always on this quest to chase the next thing. And I love the fact that you mentioned you coach people from an intuitive state. My role as a coach, I often get people to pay attention to their intuition because for me, it's their kind of uncoded, unconscious messaging that's already there. How do you really tap into that intuition and get people to rely on it? Well, first of all, I try to get people into a state of, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies out there in the world, but I try to get people in the state of following what Nikola Tesla says. He's just one of my heroes. He's an incredible, incredible guy. And I think his teachings are just so powerful. And he said this, he said, if you wish to understand the universe, think in the terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. I'm going to say it one more time. If you wish to understand the universe, think in the terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And what I see is energy is like the way of being. It's like reading a room. EQ is another way to describe energy. I think, again, if I'm keeping this like super one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, another way frequency is through what we hear, right? So, so frequency has to do with what we're tuning into and how we're positioned. And if we're, you know, vibrating at a high state, so in vibration, the high state vibration, I think of cell towers, 5G, they're shorter limited bandwidths, right? So there, there's more intensity over a smaller distance versus if you're on satellite, they're longer wavelengths that go over longer stretches of of time and space. And so these are the things that we want to be thinking about. So when it comes to intuition, I'm going like, how's your energy? What are your drainers? What are your drivers? What's suffocating you? What are you around? What's your environment? A lot of times we can make these small shifts and it can start changing everything. The way that someone thinks is what ends up becoming, right? The big idea of like what you focus on grows. Cool. Yeah. And so I, I tell people all the time, if you're in a position right now of where you're in a, a season that's changing, change is hard. Now, if you're also growing, growth is hard. But the hardest thing you'll ever have to do in your life is being stuck somewhere that you're not supposed to be. So when I try to unlock people and get them out of a position of where they're feeling constriction or where they're feeling frustrated or where they're feeling like, you know, why me? What's going on in my life? Or if they want to grow, honestly, some people come to me and they're like, things are going really well. I just want to go higher. It's like I have the blueprint that helps them go from, let's say, you know, solo entrepreneur from 20 to 100K a month. And some of them have been able to do that literally in the matter of 14 days. And it's a shift. There's a shift that has to happen in the way that they're seeing And the greatest contribution that I have as a coach is to be in a mirror. Yeah. I just reflect back to them what they already know to be true. 
you apply another level of thinking and lens on this. So you're quite big on metaphysics. Those folks are not sure what metaphysics are. Just tell us a little bit about what metaphysics are, but how you use it specifically. Yeah, well, certainly it's it's the core thesis that I talked about with Tesla, Tesla just a moment ago. Um, but I think it might be easier to grab this conceptually if we think in the terms of movies. Okay, so go go here with me for a minute. If we combine the Matrix with Avatar and Interstellar, just to name a few, um, this can kind of give us a visual concept of how we exist interdimensionally. Stranger Things is also another way to look at this if you're a big Netflix fan. We're mixing the past and the present and the future. We're mixing awareness from, from consciousness. So what we're consciously aware of versus the things that we don't see. And then also the idea that we are all connected, that we're all connected to one another and everything around us is connected as well. And through that big idea, there's an extension of this vastness of like, oh my goodness, there's just like, we are just this blue inky dot on this huge map. And there's so much more around us. So that's really the big idea is like, if you go watch those movies and look for the underlying big ideas when it comes to, you know, how we can exist in different levels. Um, another way to explain this part of interdimensionality or, you know, kind of like these higher levels of consciousness is that, you know, it's said that, you know, most people operate at a 3D consciousness. So it's kind of the level playing field for humanity. You know, when you go up to, let's say, a 5D level, this is where you might have quantum experiences. And so a lot of people who have seen things supernaturally, maybe you've experienced something supernaturally, uh, something that's just uh, completely out of the ordinary. That's just the big idea of, you know, that there's more around us than what we see. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the sixth sense, right? There's another way to see it through that movie. There's there's so, so many different illustrations. This, but where's the best place uh, we can start tapping into that level of consciousness? Well, honestly, I think it starts with the inner work. You know, I I didn't start really learning about this larger concept until I got into therapy for myself. And um, you know, that might sound crazy, like okay, so now this guy's a quack using therapy. Uh, not at all. You know, I think I'm committed to the highest version of who I am. I'm doing the inner work now because in five to seven years, when I show up on the biggest stages in the world, I want to make sure I'm good, that I don't lose my marriage in the process, that I don't lose my kids in the process. I'm doing it as a defense play. And that's the bigger idea around what this whole thing really bakes out to is that when you start seeing more, there's more to address. And so when I was going through the process of saying, I want to advance the way that I show up in the world, uh, metaphysics was one of those things that just helped me understand spirituality at a greater level. Um, you know, there's, there's a scripture that talks about this, uh, this big idea around basically that we do not fight against things here in a 3D reality, but we're fighting against things in a 5D reality. And so when you think about, you know, the concept of, uh, you know, angels or, you know, even forces of darkness and all these different things. Again, just put it in the context of Star Wars and it's acceptable yeah. as a metaphor. But, but really, um, you know, I started to feel like, you know, I, I saw people who were afflicted by things that just didn't seem normal when I was a kid. And also when I was in ministry, I saw people who were afflicted by things spiritually. And what I understood was that there's more to this picture than what we see. There's more to the collective ability of how we think and feel than what we see. And um, that's what allowed me to go to that higher level of saying there's got to be something more. So, I mean, I would just look at, you know, taking the first step of just starting, like get on YouTube and start learning about this. 
And there's one thing that I want to mention as you start watching or consuming or learning around these concepts. So as long as you judge, you cannot learn. Mm-hmm. Like wise words. Yeah. So if you are looking at a situation or watching somebody or even listening to me and you are in judgment, you'll learn nothing. And it just will delay the process of you getting to the next level. So that's up to you. But I'll just give you that key. It's a total master key to so much in life. You know, if you're, if you're in a mode of judgment, you cannot learn and you cannot find the greater things that are in life through judgment, only through curiosity. I love that. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to write it down and I will quote you. I will quote you. I love it. <laughs> so you're big on relationships, having spent so much time studying them, coaching them and supporting people through different relationship lenses. You have this great mantra, which I love called relationships are rocket ships. So I'd love to learn, how did the the mantra come about Mm -hmm. and how do you use it? I was in a mastermind in San Diego, uh, in California. And I remember this was at the end of, uh, well, in the fall of 2019, so about a year ago. And I was sitting around all these incredible people that for the previous 32 years of my life, I, I didn't know. And there was more growth in the matter of, you know, 60 to 90 days through this mastermind group than there was ever in my life. Like that period of time was so accelerated. And I just look around and I'm like, man, relationships are rocket ships. I just remember saying it to the group and they're all like, whoa, you know, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea was that, you know, when you get around the right people and you spend time with people who truly want to see you succeed, it's not about competition, it's about collaboration, that you get around people who understand you, who are willing to speak life into you, people who are willing to, put you on their stages. My mentor and uh, my business coach, Mike Kim, he runs the largest uh, personal brand podcast called uh, Brand You with Mike Kim. And just phenomenal human being. I've known him for the last decade or so. He put me in front of some of the most prominent people in the internet marketing space and also in the leadership space uh, with John Maxwell, um, with Todd Herman, who wrote The Alter Ego, Billy Jean, who's a, who's a huge um, paid media and agency owner, and he's done a lot of incredible things in internet marketing, as well as Chris Ducker from Upreneur in the UK. Um, he just connected me to all these people. And I walked away uh, you know, from, a, from an opportunity at a, at a live event with over $100,000 in, in pro, uh, proposals that were out from like two or three days. And it was like serving the moment that I was in because at that season of my life, um, I was really thinking about coaching. But for that season, that second half of 2019, I was also doing a lot of content production because content is one of my superpowers. And so uh, video content production. So it was just amazing that when you get around the right people, the right things happen. And it will launch you into a totally different stratosphere of the people that you're connected to, who they're connected to, and how you can achieve what you want faster, but yet with integrity. And uh, that's the big idea on relationships or rocket ships. And that's how it happened. That's neat. Love it. So this part of the show, we're going to turn the leadership lens on you. And I'm going to hack into your leadership mind and start to drag out some lessons that we can share with our listeners. First place I'd like to go with you, Nick, is for you to share with us your top three leadership hacks. Yeah, man. Number one, find a mentor. Um, I have five coaches in my life right now, and um, I'll tell you, it's been the best investment that I've ever made in my life. Uh, Find a mentor, find a business coach, um, and someone who can lead you to where they are. Uh, It's not ethereal. It needs to be practical, 
but you need to be supported in a very real way. So that's number one, find a mentor. Number two, never lie. Never lie. This is one of my um, you know, golden principles around personal branding is to never not tell the truth yep. <laughs> because it will always come back. Totally. You know, now, of course, our parents, they teach us, you know, don't lie, tell the truth, all these things. But in business, I mean, it has the ability to, in a microsecond, destroy your entire empire if you have one or enough to take you out because you realize that you have a lack of integrity and those who are advancing their level of awareness uh, will increase the level of responsibility in the way they show up in the world, which then requires communication to say, I screwed up. Yeah. It also fuels imposter syndrome. So it's it's incredibly important to never lie. Um, and then the, the last one is to give unconditionally. You know, I, I live a life to be a gift to humanity. That is my entire thesis on why I'm here is to be a gift for a small 1% shift in people's lives. And I, I you know, for me, I could be in a room of 10,000 people and I care about one person. It's just whoever needs it the most that day. And I focus on that. And, you know, I think that what you focus on grows and the ability to double down on just one individual that I can lock eyes with. If it's a live event or if it's an experience or just a conversation, someone I can show up for and just give unconditionally and look for ways to give, look for ways to pay it forward. Um, I think it's one of the most abundant universal principles. It's the ultimate boomerang of being able to give unconditionally without expectation, yet it's a way of being, not a way of doing. So it's a way of being, which is like that that's the way that I show up in the world. And if you do it to get, it won't work. If you do it because that's who you are and it's just how you handle life, then uh, yeah, just get ready for the rewards to come your way. The last one you talk about is really significant because I hear many people talk about something very similar. But how do you really step away from giving and providing insights information versus I am 100% in that giving and gifting space. It is through Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, when you realize that you don't need anything from anyone, that's when the game shifts, you know, cause you're enslaved to whoever you need something from. If, if you're, if you need love then you're enslaved to your partner, if you need money, then you're enslaved to your clients or prospective clients or to your marketing strategy. You know, if you need acceptance, then you are enslaved to your community or wherever you find belonging. So once you realize that standing on your own two feet is all that's required, and the only thing that you need is your own clear connection with yourself and with your source, that's the big shift. I mean, I'm accelerating to the highest level, but in reality, um, you know, that's it. And a simple way to take a first step in that is to give the thing that you need the most right now. So if you need money, go give someone else money because it's going to hurt a little bit. Don't get me wrong. But the shift that happens in you, that's what needs to happen. The, the, the laws are universal and that's what everything is run by. You know, the idea of reciprocity, mm. it's a universal law. Yeah, yeah. What you reap is what you sow. So I would tell somebody who's in a situation right now to uh, who, who, who's in a, in, a, in a situation where they're stuck or frustrated or feeling like, man, I'd love to give, but I don't have anything to give. Do you have a smile? Do you have a handshake? Do you have a phone where you could call someone and just encourage them? You know, if you feel downtrodden, if you feel frustrated, that's what I'm talking about. Ah, it's amazing. Love it. The next part of the show we call Hack to Attack. This is where something in your life or your work hasn't gone as we intended. Maybe it's even gone completely south. But as a result of the experience, though, we've now used it in our life and our work as a positive. What will be your hack to attack? 
Well, I think the whole idea around going from running a $150,000 a month business to not being able to afford a $30 meal, that big concept has probably been the biggest you know, hack that's happened in my career. Yeah. And so th- there's a there's a totally different way now of how I view money. I, I think money is the consequence of doing what you love well. And there's also energy around money, meaning it likes to go into places where it has consistency, safety, and where it also has flow, like water, like a river. You know, it has to have it has to have movement. Otherwise there's stagnation. What's a stagnated river? It's a swamp. And so money has to always be shifting and moving around. And I think I got into a place um, when things started going south with the business of where I started holding on very tightly. You know, I constricted my energy, which caused the river to stop flowing, which caused the money to stop flowing. Um, So I would say that, like, that's been the greatest lesson because the way that I show up now, I mean, this year uh, for our coaching programs, we the first time we launched our core coaching program, we did over six figures in sales um, in in less than five days. So there's a high level of understanding of what was broken before will not stay broken in the future. And the way that we view resources or the continuum of resources and how they come in and out um, has a lot more to do with stewardship than you know your ability to sell. So I would say steward what you have well. Uh, keep your your hands open. Better is an open hand than a closed fist. That's the big hack to attack. I suppose it's also just trying to resist the natural learned behaviors we have in times of pressure, right? And and going with that flow that you talked about. Absolutely. And it also has a lot to do with not judging yourself. Um, I'm pretty self-critical. You probably wouldn't hear it from this conversation. But again, darkness and the, the dark and the light, right? So the reason why I'm so optimistic is because I've been so hard on myself in the past. Yeah. The reason why I see that there's endless opportunities are because I felt defeated to the point of there's no way out of this situation. So, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's it's based on these experiences that typically the hardest things in your life, me sitting across from this dude and getting my card declined at a diner, that's one of those experiences where you go like, this is never going to happen again. Yeah. And what do I need to do to ensure that that reality is is true? And um, so, yeah, your your greatest victory is is definitely in a place of, you know, where you've also had a grand defeat. Yeah, it definitely is. Definitely is. And the last thing we want to do with you, Nick, is to send you on a bit of time travel. So you get to go back and give yourself some advice when you were 21 now. So what's your advice to Nick at 21? Honestly, just keep going. Just keep going. I, there's another way that I would frame that as you're asking it, and it would be you've already won. I think that I'm just living a life where I'm catching up to a spot that I think is this, you know, place of like achievement. Uh, and the thing that I've really tried to remind myself of is that I've already won that, that like the battle's already over, you know, uh, the, the, the trophy's already been handed out or the, the hill has been conquered and, um, I've already won. And so just, just play like you've already won, you know, and, uh, that'd be my advice to myself for sure. Very neat. So for folk listening to this today, I suspect they're thinking to themselves, how do I get to find out a bit more about Nick's work? Where is his website and how can I connect with him? Where would you like us to send them when we're done? Yeah. So you can check out my website, nickcavuto.com. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-V as in victory, U-O-T-O.com. And uh, also on Instagram. And it's just my name as well. 
so check those out. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have a seven figure mentors group on Facebook. So you can check that out as well. But primarily check out my website. You can get everything from there. And then certainly uh, if you have any questions or you want to hit me up on Instagram, I was just on Entrepreneurs on Fire a couple of weeks ago. And um, my goodness, I've gotten hundreds of messages and it's been a lot of fun to be able to co- collaborate and hop on calls with people and just learn their story. So uh, so yeah, that's the big idea there. So connect with me on Instagram. I'd love to love to connect with you. Great stuff. And we'll also put those links in our show notes, Nick. So when people have finished listening to this, they can head straight over and connect with you there. Epic. From my perspective, I just wanted to say, we've spoken a few times now, Nick, and every time I speak with you, I just get this rush of energy. So whatever you're doing is working and I'm feeling that, you know, uh, today. So thank you for being part of our journey on the Leadership Anchor podcast. Steve, it's my absolute pleasure, man. Appreciate you so much, brother. Thank you very much, Nick. I genuinely want to say a heartfelt thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in too. We do this in the service of helping others and spreading the word of leadership. Without you listening in, there would be no show. So please subscribe now if you haven't done so already. Share this podcast with your communities and network and help us develop a community and a tribe of leadership hackers. And finally, if you'd like me to work with your senior team, your leadership community, keynote an event or you would like to sponsor an episode please connect with us via our social media and you can do that by following and liking our pages on twitter and facebook our handle there is at leadership hacker instagram you can find us there at the underscore leadership underscore hacker and at youtube we're just leadership hacker so that's me signing off i'm steve rush and i've been the leadership hacker